This is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working with People by PaveStep. The Working with People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Rob here with us today. How are you, Rob? Awesome. Where are you calling in from? I'm from Australia, from Sydney, Australia. Are you born and raised there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up here. Awesome. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about managing multicultural teams um, in, in remote settings too. So before we do that, though, tell us who you are and what you do. So actually, uh, formerly a medical doctor, but I decided to get out of the, <laughs> the medical room, the emergency room, and actually started various businesses and, and so I've started various internet businesses and uh, I've had a business time doctor as well as running remote. So now I'm really passionate about remote work and now have a book coming out about uh, running remote. So how to, how to run a remote company. Mm, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Our page that we are fully remote company as well. So I'm, I'm going to read that it's going to be, and I'm, I'm hoping today's podcast is going to be really relevant for me as well. So I'm excited to have you here. So let's start with defining what multicultural team is, right? I think most of us probably kind of understand it, intuitively understand what that means. But in your definition, you know, what is a multicultural team? Well, I think there's a very big difference between multicultural teams inside of the U.S. and then a global mm-hmm. multicultural team. Because if you have a team that's inside the U.S., it is multicultural for sure. But you also have this basis where everyone kind of has the U.S. norms they, they probably worked for a company inside the U.S. before, and that makes it easier, right? right? You don't have as much variety. Now, if you're talking about hiring globally all around the world, you're going to get a lot more variety of, of thought and of, of ways of perspectives that people are thinking about things. So I think it's all about the way that people are thinking about work, their perspectives about work, and how that is different across different cultures. Mm, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So managing these teams, I'm sure, is not easy. <laughs> I mean, managing similar people itself is not easy, right? Let alone when people are different, right? Um, so what are some of the best practices that you've seen managing multicultural teams? And on top of that, if they're remote, any thoughts there? Yeah. So one thing to really be aware of is this dynamic of hierarchy. So mm-hmm. in in different cultures, there's a different dynamic. So in, right. for example, if you, if you talk about China, or the Philippines, uh, a lot of countries, they will have a very hierarchical culture inside of the company where the boss just decides everything and they just tell everyone what to do. Uh, then you also have another culture, which is all around like collaboration, how collaborative is the culture. Now, Japan right. is an example where it's actually quite collaborative, more so than the United States, hmm. uh, where the team are actually making a lot of the decisions. So they're really those decision-making processes bubbling up through the organization. And it's not always a decision made by the boss uh, in that case. Uh, so there's, there's all of these dynamics that are going on in the, com- in the company. And hmm. if you have people from different countries, or perhaps they've come from a different country and they're, they're recently in the United States, then they're going to think about that in a totally different way. So an example would be 
in the Philippines, it's very hard to get people to disagree with you as the boss. <laughs> so uh, we have a lot of Philippine uh, team members. And so they would be like, yes, yes, yes. You know, whatever you say, but in the back of their mind, they're thinking, you know, this guy's an idiot, which they should be doing this. <laughs> so you have to encourage them to actually really tell you no, you know, like I actually tell my uh, team members, look, if you're not disagreeing with me, then something's wrong, right? You have mm. to disagree with me at least once so that you're really showing me that, that you're thinking about this and that you're actually putting forward your own idea. Um, and so that's really, really important to encourage people that are from cultures where that's really not the norm to actually try and do that. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's really interesting, right? Because, you know, when you talked about this example of China or Philippines and then versus Japan, right? It's not just the country's culture, but it's their like specific work culture, right? Yes. I mean, if you had just yeah. asked me, uh, I'm Korean and, and I kind of know a little bit about the Japanese culture. But if you had asked me like, hey, like, what do you think Japanese culture is like? You know, do you think it's, you know, much more... Uh, collaborative or do you think it's much more hierarchical I would have probably said the latter right so I was actually kind of personally surprised to hear that it is uh, actually collaborative but which actually makes a lot of sense with you know historical um, and big organizations of Japan you know having those different like philosophies around collaborative decision making and you know vendors being partners and things like that right yeah. so that actually makes a lot of sense but that's, yeah that, that's and they have a combination which is interesting uh, for someone from the U.S. which they have a very collaborative culture, but it's also quite hierarchical where the boss really is the, is the mm. boss and you're very deferential to the boss. Uh, you don't, you're not so much, you know, they're mates. Uh, and so, um, gotcha. <laughs> and, and then you have other cultures. Another thing that's different is in terms of, uh, say, in, in France, uh, the level of confrontation that you'd have. So in, in mm. France versus the U.S., the, the French people would confront you like full on and like, no, you did that wrong. You did the wrong thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> and they don't care like about getting people pissed off. It's just part of the culture. Now in the United States, it's a much more, uh, let's say, non-confrontational culture. And so if you say to somebody, look, you, you did a terrible job, and mm -hmm. that's considered absolutely like a no-no in, in, in HR. But but if you talk to a French, someone from France, that's normal. Like that's that's more of a normal way of doing things. So it's super interesting when you start seeing these different cultural impacts, but you have to kind of make it a bit more uniform. So I do right. believe you have to sort of choose like where are you as company, right. you, you're going to start to conform to this US type of culture um, and understand where people are coming from. But you need to educate the, the French guy that actually, no, it's not quite okay for you to say, uh, go so confrontational straight away right if that's if those are the kind of the company values and behaviors that you want to yes. enforce within the company yes. yeah right. that yeah. absolutely makes sense um yeah it's really interesting um so you've already kind of talked about some of the challenges already right when we were talking about these best practices um what are some other challenges that you've seen when you're managing these uh teams remotely well with remote work you've got all these additional challenges of communication and when people went remote during the pandemic, they tended to just do things through Zoom meetings. So Zoom, mm. Zoom, Zoom, meeting, 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 meeting. And you get this fatigue of too many meetings and it's not necessarily the best way of doing things. So we, in our book, Running Remote, we interviewed people that have been in remote companies for years and some that have thousands of team members that are remote. So for example, GitLab, 
is a multi-billion dollar company right. and all of their team are remote. And so they have really great best practices for remote communication. And one of those is going a lot more asynchronous. Mm-hmm. So async is the concept where you're not just always talking in real time, but you're sending a message, you're giving people time to review it and then to respond. And it doesn't interrupt their workday uh, because they can listen to it when or watch it when they want. Uh, so that's a really important part of the remote communication. Yeah, and on that point, right, I, this is something that we've started to do internally as well when we you know, started to scale up our team was we actually have like a communication playbook, right, where we actually explicitly talk about, hey, here are the things, here are the channels that you can use and here are the times that you can expect to hear a response back, you know, in mm-hmm. and here's the general purpose of that. While that sounds almost... Uh, kind of too detailed or maybe even micromanaging for the, you know to some people we found it very helpful because we're just like mm-hmm. aligning expectations right yeah. so nobody's mad when you know rob sends harrison an email and i don't respond in three you know hours or three days or whatever it may be right. you know we're right. totally aligned on our expectations of responses and communication yes yeah that makes total sense yeah cool so uh, you know, for, for for you, right? You know, you you have team members um, that are, of course, multicultural. Um, you know, in, in a remote setting, is there anything else that people or companies should be thinking about when they're managing these teams? You know, remote versus in office. Like, what are some of the tactical things that you know I should be thinking about? For example, we have a remote team, right, and we will continue to going forward. Anything that I should be mindful of, or the audience should be mindful of. Being aware of the multiple different styles of communication. So you've got text, right? Then you've got uh, audio, uh, you've got uh, video, uh, and then you've got synchronous video as well. So you've got lots of different styles and they're good for different things. So if you're praising someone, Hmm. uh, it it sort of falls flat if you just send them a text message, but you can send them a video message. And Slack, for example, has a capability to send video messages hey, I was just so amazed by the job you did. That's Mm. an asynchronous message too because they can watch that when they want to. You don't have to coordinate a call in order to do that. Then if you're talking about something that's really, really emotional or you're giving any negative feedback, then that's where you need to make sure that it is a one-on-one call that you're really able to communicate it in a way that's more, um, it's not going to upset them and and that you have that that non-verbal feedback over video, which is so important. Gotcha. Is there anything that you've seen that people kind of mess up on when they're doing asynchronous? I have found personally, like I love asynchronous communication, but sometimes I feel like I'm doing it too much. Anything that you've seen as like a risk maybe even? Yeah, I I guess it is possible to do it too much. I think if if you're typing and doing uh, written messages, and they're very, very long written messages. That can take people a whole lot of time, uh, so there can be issues there. But on the other hand, you you need to make sure that you've really got enough detail that it makes sense for the person who's reading it. So there's a lot of balances there. I I think having a right meeting rhythm within your company where you're having enough meetings but not too many is a really powerful strategy. So... You might have for an individual contributor like two to three meetings a week at a regular time and you sort of save up some issues for that. But then you have other issues where it's you're able to communicate it effectively asynchronously. You do it that way. So it's choosing the right thing where 
it's not too detailed it's not going right. to be as much back and forth and and for that you you communicate asynchronously whereas if you if you got the sense that this is just going to end up being like just you know back and forth discussion with you know a thread of a hundred comments <laughs> and, it, and i do that <laughs> yeah yeah it becomes uh overwhelming so that's when the the call starts to come in at that point uh as well perfect perfect well those are all the big questions that i had here rob thank you for your time and your insights here where can the audience find you and your thought leadership uh, you can check out running remote uh, the conference which is a conference about remote work and we're also have a book that's going to be launching in uh, August 2022, which is a book about remote work. It's just called Running Remote. You can search it on Amazon. Awesome. Awesome. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to Working With People by PaveStep. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. Rob, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You too. Great to chat.